Imagine a groundbreaking telescope unraveling the mysteries of life's origin. That sounds so interesting, right? Hi, and welcome to the Business Line podcast. This is Nabodita Ganguly. I'm joined today by Chaya Dhanani, Portfolio Head Engineering for Research ThoughtWorks, to explain more about the Meerkat telescope, a radio telescope with unique capabilities. In 2018, ThoughtWorks a digital transformation consultancy joined forces with Ayuka in Pune for a two-year collaboration. Together, they aimed to specialize data processing software for the Meerkat radio telescope. In this podcast, we are going to talk about what sets Meerkat apart from traditional telescopes, its potentials, and how it will revolutionize radio astronomy. Listen in. Hi, Chaya. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Nabodita, for having me on the call. Thank you. So, Chaya, firstly, to start, could you help us understand what exactly is the Meerkat radio telescope? How is it different from normal telescopes? Right. So, generally, uh, telescopes are of two kinds, and there are many, largely two kinds. One is an optical telescope, and one is a radio telescope. Meerkat falls in the category of being a radio telescope which means that uh, it can receive signals day and night uh, radio signals if it's an optical telescope they actually capture images only at night but because it's a radio telescope they will capture signals uh, across the sky 24 hours you know uh, meerkat happens to be a very sensitive uh, radio telescope that's uh, coming up in the uh, south african desert uh, at the moment, uh, because it's a radio telescope, the apparatus basically is a receiving antenna. And there are uh, 64 antennas that form the Meerkat uh, telescope. Why Meerkat is very important is uh, Meerkat happens to be a precursor or a pathfinder to the very larger telescope, which is called as the square kilometer array. So the square kilometer array in general is going to be the largest and the most sensitive radio telescope coming up in uh, two continents, uh, the South African continent and the Australian continent. So imagine a radio telescope spanning uh, two areas, two large continents in the Southern Hemisphere. If you generally see, most of the telescopes are in Hawaii or in the Northern Hemisphere. This is one telescope which is coming up in the Southern Hemisphere and it will capture the large part of the sky given the expanse uh, when it's residing in South Africa and in Australia. The reason why it's very, very important is uh, it is going to be a telescope uh, which is going to be at least 10,000 times faster than any of the telescopes uh, ever existing uh, today. And it is supposedly when it's completed, uh, to be the most sensitive telescope, which says that they'll it'll at least be 50 times more uh, sensitive than any telescope that's coming today. Meerkat forms the first initial 64 antennas out of those 2000 plus antennas that will be built up. So all the experiments that are being done on Meerkat basically uh, can be termed as the launching pad or precursor to all the larger science experiments that will come up uh, when the whole uh, SCAR telescope is going to be developed, you know. 
Okay, understood. And what is ThoughtWorks contribution towards the development of the Midgard telescope? Right. So, uh, ThoughtWorks uh, was involved and rather is still involved in building a uh, image processing pipeline, which is called as RTIP. Uh, so basically, uh, what happens on a telescope is all scientists get some time, observation time on a telescope. Uh, we have been collaborating with Dr. Neeraj Gupta from Ayuka, which is in Pune. Uh, he's the principal investigator and he put in a proposal uh, to observe uh, the sky for gas absorptions. Uh, that survey is basically called as MALS, Meerkat Absorption Line Survey. So the proposal, the scientific uh, survey is called as MALS. And uh, we associated with him to build a pipeline which will help develop the images that are captured by the telescope. And this pipeline is called as uh, RTIP, uh, Automated Radio Telescope Image Processing uh, Pipeline. Uh, this has been one of our most prestigious and active collaborations since uh, 2016. Uh, the whole uh, pipeline that has been developed, uh, uh, so when you capture the signals, uh, there's a lot of noise ratio that comes in because of various satellites and radio signals and everything. So when you capture those signals, they have to be cleaned first, they have to be flagged, uh, they have to be calibrated. And then all this data has to be processed using multiple uh, statistical techniques uh, to identify whether certain signals or patterns are bad, then you discard them. Uh, you find out what are the good patterns and you store them. And then you do a lot of analysis and diagnostics on them to build a picture uh, of saying that this is how the sky looks like and here are the celestial bodies and this is where the gas is being emitted. So uh, our involvement has been in building this pipeline which is completely automated. There's no human intervention. Uh, the moment the data is received from Meerkat, it is processed through the pipeline. Uh, imagine a radio telescope giving data 24-7, uh, uh, a simple uh, data size of about uh, 1 TB would have taken four to five months manually to process. Uh, there are high chance of errors being detected. Uh, but the moment you do it uh, in an automated fashion, uh, you accelerate the whole process of um, analyzing this by a very large number. So uh, a data size as big as 1 TB can be processed in about 30 minutes to one hour uh, with appropriate uh, results, you know. So that's the beauty of having an automated pipeline. Um, over the years, because of this pipeline, uh, we've been able to uh, have uh, two very critical discoveries uh, uh, that came along, right, which could have uh, actually been missed had there been a manual process uh, happening. So basically, um, there's a radical called as uh, OH uh, radical. Uh, instances of OH radical in a galaxy outside our Milky Way galaxy are very rare, hardly two or three. And uh, because of the pipeline, uh, the scientists were able to discover one more OH radical in a very distant uh, galaxy. Now, why this becomes very important from a scientific point of view is it means that there is a probability of uh, H2O somewhere, you know. Uh, outside the galaxy because it's an OH uh, radical. Uh, one of the very recent uh, 
discoveries made was of the uh, Rydberg uh, atoms. Again, in a galaxy, not which is our own Milky Galaxy, but the uh, outside uh, distant galaxy. Now, these are again hydrogen atoms. Uh, and the moment you say uh, there are large hydrogen atoms uh, existing in a very distant uh, galaxy, uh, it means that again, there is a high chance of how various gases are being generated or how various gases are being formed. Uh, that at some point will lead to more scientific uh, discoveries of the way gases are formed, the way celestial bodies are formed, the way stars are formed, because stars ultimately are nothing but a mass of uh, gas, you know. So over the years, uh, the pipeline has been used. Uh, it has also resulted in at least uh, six plus scientific uh, uh, publications and papers and uh, two very important uh, discoveries. Okay, understood. So it's basically, it sounds like it's just the beginning. There's a lot way more to go. Yes, there's a lot more to go. Uh, so the scientist has an observation time of about 1600 hours. 50% uh, uh, is kind of done. We are expecting a data size of around 1.7 petabyte, which is a very, very large uh, data size to come along. And the pipeline is going to be used to process uh, petabyte uh, scale uh, data. Mm. Okay. So while you mentioned about the Ayuka and ThoughtWorks collaboration, but still, if I may ask you to summarize, could you talk about the objective of the collaboration and the possible outcomes of the same? Right. So for uh, ThoughtWorks being a tech at core company, uh, our, our, our attempt always is to push... Uh, boundaries in the software uh, uh, space. Uh, traditionally, if you actually see a um, lot of new technical uh, uh, innovations uh, come when you solve unsolved problems. And uh, what better than a uh, scientific arena that gives you very challenging unsolved problems. Uh, our attempt uh, to work with scientific uh, institutes uh, give rise to something called as uh, engineering for research initiative within ThoughtWorks. Uh, while we know that we want to push boundaries in our enterprise work with uh, the kind of software that we are building, we want to also similarly push boundaries in the space of computer science and research. Uh, and that's where the association with the likes of uh, Ayuka or the 30-meter telescope uh, comes into picture. The attempt is uh, science has very, very large uh, technical problems. If you are able to solve them, uh, think of it like a reverse flow to enterprise, right? If I'm able to solve a very complex uh, science problem, uh, the techniques, the learnings, the frameworks, the algorithms... Uh, uh, the processing mechanisms and the patterns that I discover along the way uh, can be then reversed uh, and applied to enterprise uh, business solutions, which are in comparison to science problems, uh, small, right? So the attempt is when we are solving large problems, is there a way we can learn and do a reverse flow into uh, enterprise solutioning as well, you know? Okay. And you also talked about big data challenges. Could you talk a bit about how this project will help tackle big data challenges? Right. Uh, so like I said that uh, 
SCAR is going to be one of the largest uh, uh, telescopes, uh, radio telescope uh, that's coming. Uh, now, when you are going to have a telescope which is uh, operational 24-7, the data that this is going to generate is going to be more than what uh, data is generated by the whole of internet on a single day, right? Uh, the numbers for SCAR telescope is that in the initial years, it will generate data around uh, 70 petabytes, uh, actually initially 150 petabytes. And then year on year, it is going to add 700 petabytes of data. Uh, I mean, those are enormous numbers. And then the challenge that comes along with it is when you receive a large amount of data at a very high velocity, how how soon and how fast can you process it, right? So uh, there comes the challenge of fast data processing, which means that uh, when I'm receiving the data, uh, is there a mechanism where I can discard bad data at the time of intake itself and then only store good data? Uh, which also means uh, that how do I bring... Uh, compute to the data rather than taking the data to the compute part in a system, right? Uh, that's where uh, domain-specific uh, hardware architectures come into picture. So for example, uh, the challenge is when you work on large projects like this, uh, you have to design and develop very specific GPUs or uh, field processing gate arrays. These are all chips, system on um, uh, chip designs, uh, which are made specifically for such large engineering uh, projects so that when the data comes in, the algorithm is burnt on these chips to discard the good and the bad data. So that's where the first data challenge comes in. The second is once you have the good data, how are you going to uh, store it, assimilate it, uh, search for it, uh, uh, do a good analysis on it? And that's where the storage and the indexing uh, challenges uh, come in, how do you remove the input-output uh, bottlenecks? And that's where uh, systems like uh, NVMe or uh, uh, object-based uh, storage systems uh, come into picture. One of the uh, other challenges that big data projects come with, and especially SCAR is, they are going to be built in a region which are very arid and uh, desert regions, right? So, uh, when you have large um, mega engineering structures, uh, there is always a cap on uh, energy, right? So how will you build a sustainable energy, energy efficient uh, solutions, right? Uh, you're in a desert, uh, you have to have cooling systems. You have to have uh, uh, lines going through the desert to have your compute center up and running. Uh, and there is a cap on energy for SCAR, which is about 3.5 uh, megawatts. So your solutioning uh, actually means that uh, how faster and quicker can you do your data compute? Uh, also, the choice of languages, right? Uh, what kind of programming languages do you use? Rust is getting popular because Rust uh, happens to be a very performance-efficient, uh, um, energy-saving, sustainable solution, right? So the spectrum is large. It actually starts right from the network layer to the kind of uh, domain-specific chips and uh, architectures that you design, the kind of uh, object storages uh, that you choose, the kind of uh, input-output mechanisms, uh, the search capability, and 
uh, overall an impact on the environment uh, as well, right? Okay, understood. And how will this have an impact on radio astronomy? So basically, uh, the whole purpose of uh, setting up uh, SCAR, um, uh, so SCAR is a consortium of many, many uh, countries uh, coming together, right? Uh, the idea is uh, uh, the main purpose of SCAR is to study the working of uh, galaxies uh, and understand the extreme environments around uh, black holes, uh, tracking the journey of the gravitational waves and a uh, lot of other various uh, ambitious uh, science uh, challenges, mainly around uh, dark energy, uh, the Big Bang, um, and also exploring uh, uh, the origins of life, you know. So SCAR has these large problems uh, defined. Uh, the telescope will have many scientists working in these areas. Uh, for radio astronomy, uh, it's this project has been going on for a decade now. Uh, what it means for radio astronomy is uh, a very challenging phase but a very promising phase as well because this is going to give rise and it has already given rise to the next generation of uh, supercomputers or for that matter the next generation of uh, accelerators right so from a scientific perspective while it attempts to aim uh, answer many many uh, theories around origin of life and cosmology uh, from a technological perspective it has uh, given rise to a lot of new innovation in terms of uh, high-end uh, computers, uh, uh, accelerators, uh, new storage mechanisms, even softwares. So for radio astronomy, uh, they've built something called as CASA, C-A-S-A. This is built by the uh, National uh, Radio uh, Observation uh, Center, NRAO. Uh, that's the software that they have built specifically for uh, serving uh, radio astronomy uh, observations, right? So it has a lot of astronomy algorithms in it. It has a lot of functions that help radio astronomy. So if you see, it's multifolded. It spans uh, science, it spans uh, technology, it spans uh, uh, innovation of new software, uh, hardware, infrastructure, everything. Okay, understood. On that note, thanks a lot for joining me. Sure. Thank you so much, Nagodita.